I'm smoking two packs of cigarettes. I'm, I'm sleeping with, you know, anything I can get my hands on. I'm gambling. I'm doing cocaine, ecstasy, MDMA, Special K, uh, Ambien to come down. I've got a pornography problem. I've got a strip club problem. I mean, I've really taken on all of the vices. There's nothing stronger. The hedonistic lifestyle Scott Harrison was living was very different from the one he had known growing up. Scott went from caring for his sick mom and playing piano in church to getting paid to promote alcohol. Now, Scott promotes clean drinking water. You're going to hear how Scott found his way back to God on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. You might also hear some background noise during the interview, things like sirens or cars, because we talked with Scott while he was in his New York City office. I'm Phil Fleischman. My usual co-host, Jim Kirkland, is out this week, but sitting in for him is Josh Batson. Welcome, Josh. Thanks, Phil. Really glad to be here. And a little later in the episode, you're going to hear Billy Graham talk about a biblical teaching that Scott Harrison discovered to be true in his life. And maybe you have too. Oh, yes, there's pleasure in sin for a short time, but it's soon over. You'll never know true permanent pleasure until you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we can help you start that relationship right now. Just go to findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. God. People. Stories. My mom lived in a safe room. It was a special uh, tile bathroom. Uh, The door was covered in aluminum foil. She slept on an army cot that had been washed in baking soda at least 10 times. And she wore charcoal masks and had oxygen tanks. Scott Harrison grew up in a Christian home in New Jersey. But the house they lived in almost took his mom's life. What we didn't know was that this house had a carbon monoxide gas leak. And we move in, and my dad and mom and I, we all start getting a little sick. My dad and I are only sleeping in the house. I'm going to school. My dad's going to work. But my mom is fixing up this house. And on New Year's Day, 1980, she walks across the bedroom, and she collapses unconscious on the floor. And after a a series of blood tests, they finally discover these massive amounts of carboxyhemoglobin in her bloodstream. And she's never the same again. So she doesn't die, but her immune system dies. And her body's ability to fight off anything chemical is just gone. So from a young age, Scott begins helping his dad take care of the home and Scott's mom. But as he began to move into his teenage years, he started resenting his role in the home. So by 18, he left home. Moved to New York City, grow my hair down to my shoulders, join a band. And I I start doing all the stuff I wasn't allowed to do. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. Uh, The band breaks up. I decide I'm going to become a nightclub promoter. And I'm going to be the king of New York nightlife. And I start uh, climbing up New York nightlife social ladder. And I'm going to be the guy behind the velvet rope who decides who comes into the club. I'm going to be the guy up in the DJ booth spraying champagne over 500 people as they dance to the DJ. And I, I get really good at this. Over the next 10 years, Scott would work at 40 different nightclubs. 
and he picked up just about every vice you might imagine would go with that way of living. I mean, I officially drink alcohol for a living. I party in public. And, you know, just to give you a picture of how successful we were at this, there was a, a period of, of a couple of years where Bacardi would pay me $4,000 a month, uh, along with my business partner, just to be seen in public drinking Bacardi products. And Budweiser would pay us another $4,000 a month just to be seen with Budweiser beer on our tables in our nightclubs. So, you know, I'm working in 40 different clubs. I'm smoking two packs of cigarettes. I'm, I'm sleeping with, you know, anything I can get my hands on. I'm gambling. I'm doing cocaine, ecstasy, MDMA, Special K, uh, Ambien to come down. I've got a pornography problem. I've got a strip club problem. I mean, I've really taken on all of the vices. Chasing after this world makes me tired. Praising my own name leaves me dry. There's gotta be so much more to life than this. A higher calling that I missed. I want my life to count every breath. Today, Scott sees that he was morally and spiritually bankrupt. But for the first few years of his life as a nightclub promoter, Scott thought life was amazing. I mean, I'm flying around to, I'm dating girls on the cover of fashion magazines. I'm driving a BMW. I've got the Rolex watch. I've got a grand piano in my New York City apartment. You know, all the, I'm vacationing in Brazil and South America. And yeah, I mean, this was, in the beginning, this was living. Back in New Jersey, Scott's parents were constantly praying for him, even as he reminded them of his wayward living. I mean, I would call them and brag about being up in, in Paris for a few days. And, and I would brag about my escapades. And, you know, they're, they've got churches praying for me. They've got little old ladies, you know, locked up in prayer closets. It, it must have been so, so hard on them. Their only son gone rogue. God answers prayers in a lot of surprising ways. And it seems like he may have used numbness and Google to begin answering Scott's parents' prayers. I actually start physically going numb. So half my body goes numb. And I remember I just, I lose feeling in half my body. So as, as one might do, I go to neurologists and I have MRIs and CT scans and they connect sensors to my arms and my legs and trying to figure out what's wrong. And they can't find anything medically. And I remember one night I wake up and I walk over to my huge Mac computer. I've, I had that big screen and um, I type in numbness into Google and, you know, expecting to get, you know, to do some medical research on, you know, what horrible brain tumor I had or what incurable disease. And instead I get a sermon about being spiritually numb. <laughs> in a way, it felt like God was speaking to me. It was, in a way, it was almost just being aware of my mortality. You know, did I still believe in heaven and hell? Did I still believe there was a God? Just a few months later, Scott sensed God speaking to him again. This time, it was while he was on vacation in South America. We'd rented a, a huge compound with horses and with servants, and we spent $1,000 on fireworks, and we blew them up next to the pool. And there were magnums of Dom Perignon champagne, the best in the world. And my, my girlfriend was the most beautiful girl in the compound, and she was on the cover of, um, you know, Italian Vogue or, you know, French L magazine. And, and this was just, it, it was all of it. And I realized with such clarity, it was almost like the game of musical chairs 
And the music stopped and I had nowhere to sit. It was this disruption. It was this realization that there would never be enough girls. There'd never be enough money. There would never be enough status. Someone would always have more. I would always be reaching. And, you know, my dad had sent A.W. Tozer's Pursuit of God down with me on this trip. So, you know, he would always try and give me Christian books and I would never read them. But for some reason, this little book made its way into my suitcase and hung over during the days. I start reading this pretty deep theology, reading my Bible again and praying and saying, hey, God, you know, what would it look like to get out? Um, What might I do? How might I change my life? And I came back to New York City really changed and wanting to move in a different direction, but really caught in the tension because I still promoted nightclubs for a living. It was about six months later when Scott found a very good reason to get out of town. He had a run-in with an angry, gun-wielding bouncer who got fired because of Scott. Who knows what would have really happened, but um, I'm like, I'm just going to get out of town for a couple weeks and let this blow over. And that took me... North, <laughs> just north, with a, a bottle of Dewar's and a Bible and a couple packs of cigarettes. And, you know, this push-pull for my soul continues. And, and as, I, as I traveled, uh, I wound up in a place called Maine, uh, uh, Greenville, Maine, little internet cafe, a dial-up internet cafe. And I had been asking myself the question, what would the opposite of my life look like? What would the opposite of the prodigal, hedonist, sycophant, degenerate life of Scott Harrison look like? And I thought, well, it might look like walking away from all that vice and serving the poor, tithing one of the 10 years that I had selfishly wasted to, to others. So sitting in that internet cafe, Scott began applying for positions with a lot of humanitarian charities and ministries. But the only one willing to take him on was the ministry Mercy Ships, whose hospital ship provides medical care to some of the poorest people in the world. The ministry offered Scott the position of volunteer photojournalist in Liberia. I have this moment of truth where I realize that I'm going to have to quit all this stuff once and for all. And there was something prophetic about the gangway, this 522-foot hospital ship that was going to be my new home. And I would leave all of my vices on land. I would walk up the gangway. The gangway would be pulled up, and I would sail away to my new life, you know, to the do-over. Never touch coke again, never gambled again, never smoked again, um, stopped swearing, uh, never looked at a pornographic image again. I, I was celibate for five and a half years until my wedding night. Like, I just, I went all in. And that allowed this completely new and very different story um, for my life to begin unfolding. This is my story. This is my song. I have a hope that's stronger than the dust I'm standing on. This is my anchor. My cornerstone. The first time Scott saw the Mercy Ship's medical teams do their work, there were 1,500 slots for surgeries. Those surgeries treat things like facial tumors and cleft lips and palates, and the screenings for them were performed in a soccer stadium. And I'll never forget this moment. It was five in the morning, screening day, my third day on the African continent. I put on hospital scrubs. I grab my cameras. I've got all my batteries charged. I got a pack of Skittles, you know, to get me through the day. And I, and I jump in a convoy of Land Rovers, and we head towards the, the stadium. And as we turn the corner, we see over 5,000 people standing outside. 
And it hits me. I remember just weeping, realizing, oh, my gosh, we're going to send over 3,000 people home with no hope. We don't have enough doctors. We don't have enough resources. I later learned many of these people had walked more than a month, more than a month with their sick kids from neighboring countries, just in the hopes of seeing a doctor. And, you know, I just break down. I'm like, I don't think I can do this. I'd never seen such suffering and misery and deformity anywhere in the world, let alone all at once, the sea of suffering, the sea of deformity. And, you know, one of the doctors came over to me and said, look, buckle up, kid. <laughs> You're going to see a lot worse than this. And hey, we're here to help. Like, remember, we're here to help. Of course, the help that Mercy Ships provides costs money. And Scott knew where he could get some money from the people he knew from his nightclub days. And the cool thing is that I brought with me a guest list of 15,000 emails. So the same people I had been getting wasted for 10 years go from getting invitations to the MTV party or the Prada Megastore opening party in Soho, New York, to, to images of doctors helping people with leprosy or tumors or cleft lips or cleft palates. And, you know, of course, some people are like, take me off the list. You know, I didn't sign up for the, the leprosy show. Um, but most people said, this is amazing. I didn't know there were doctors out there who cared so much. How do I give money? How do I sponsor the next surgery? How do I give time like you are? And I realized that in a moment, I could redeem all those relationships that I'd spent 10 years building. And I could tell a very different story. Scott did two tours with Mercy Ships. And it was during his second tour that he discovered the water crisis that impacts hundreds of millions of people around the world. As I got off the ship, as I went into the rural areas, I saw the water that people were drinking. And they were drinking disgusting water from swamps and from ponds and from rivers. This was water so dirty I wouldn't let an animal drink it. I wouldn't let my dog drink it. And I learned that 50% of the people in the country were drinking bad water. And I learned that so much of the disease so much of the sickness was directly caused by the water that people were drinking. What he witnessed helped Scott discover a new calling on his life. Yeah, maybe instead of spending my time funding new surgeries or, or helping to raise money for the next hospital ship, maybe I could just go work on this problem. And, and the, the surgeon, Dr. Gary Parker, who was leading the, the medical efforts, a guy who'd been on the ship for over 20 years, uh, operating for free day in and day out, he really encouraged me to go work on the water crisis and, and to make that my issue, make that the one thing that I, I fought passionately for. The way that Scott began and continues that fight is through the nonprofit organization he went on to start called Charity Water. As of this recording, Charity Water says it has funded nearly 30,000 water projects for more than 8 million people. One of the Bible verses that inspires Scott is James 127. True religion is this, uh, to look after widows and orphans in their distress and to keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Previously, I was 0 for 2. <laughs> not only had I done nothing for the poor for 10 years, I was, not only was I polluted, I was a purveyor of pollution. I polluted others. And I just love the simplicity, your relationship with the, with the poor and your relationship with God, you know, personal purity and integrity and virtue. And then how are we using our gifts to serve others, to end suffering? And another passage that's close to Scott's heart is Joel 2, 25 and 26. It says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. You get this sense of just a barren wasteland, like nothing could ever grow there again. 
And it says that all that can be restored. And you'll praise the name of God uh, who has dealt wonderfully with you. And, you know, the, the beauty is that my, my whole life changed in an instant. And um, not only was I able to walk away with from all those vices, like I have a beautiful wife. I have two beautiful children. You know, I get to speak to 20,000 people in churches um, about generosity and compassion and clean water and this movement that continues to grow. My life is unrecognizable from the guy doing cocaine at four in the morning in a nightclub. Um, and, you know, I think that's real proof of the power of, of God or, or maybe the power, um, you know, when someone's willing to surrender or, or fully obey. Scott Harrison found unparalleled joy, purpose, and peace when he fully surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. And you can too. It doesn't matter what you have done or even what you're doing right now. God is waiting for you to call on him. And we can help you answer that call. Visit us at this website, findpeacewithgod.net. That's findpeacewithgod.net. And in just a minute, Scott is going to talk about some of the different ways his charity helps people get access to clean drinking water. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Oh, yes, there's pleasure in sin for a short time, but it's soon over. The hangover comes, and there's nothing you can do about it. Billy Graham. Choose Christ, and there'll never be a hangover except joy and peace. You have to make a choice. It's either self or Christ. Which will it be? A life of surrender to Christ as Lord and Savior, or a life in which you surrender to yourself and your own desires and your own pleasures and your own lust and your own greed and your own jealousies? Now, you can't change your past, but you can determine your destiny by deciding for Christ. He died on the cross so that all the sins you've ever committed, all the things you've ever done wrong, are forgiven. Billy Graham traveled the world sharing that message, the message of Jesus Christ, with everyone from the homeless to heads of state. There's a video documentary about his ministry and his life called Billy Graham, An Extraordinary Journey. It's being released on November 6th, but you can pre-order a copy of it right now. Just go to BillyGrahamFilm.com. That's BillyGrahamFilm.com. Our guest on this episode of GPS, Scott Harrison, says his organization, Charity Water, is committed to equipping local people to resolve their drinking water problems. Sometimes that's setting them up to drill a well, but there are more than a dozen other approaches that they can take too. 14 different solutions now. So we, we've always been solution agnostic. Um, there are many different technologies that work in many different contexts. So sometimes you can dig a well. Sometimes you can drill a well. Sometimes there is no groundwater. You can build a rainwater harvesting system or a gravity-fed system uh, or a solar system or biosand filters or pond sand filters or large-scale carbon, UF, UV. Um, whatever the appropriate technology is, that's what we've used now in 26 different countries. 
Scott Harrison's written a book about his charity and about the way God has worked in his life. It's called Thirst. We want to thank Scott for sharing his story with us here on GPS, and we want to thank you for listening. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Josh Batson. Did you know that you can find all the episodes of GPS, including this one, of course, at BillyGrahamRadio.org? That's almost three years worth of episodes. And another nice feature about listening to the podcast on our website is that you can leave comments there, too. Again, the address is BillyGrahamRadio.org. This is GPS, God People Stories. It's an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. Good news.